0: Yeah? You're all good? Yeah, I'm good. Did you have a good uh, bank holiday weekend?
1: Yeah, it was all right, thank you. Not a lot, really. Yeah. You know, just sort of, yeah, all right.
0: Did uh, Was it mostly spent sort of still working, like still getting stuff done? and
1: A little bit, not really, but um, just bits and bobs. But, yeah, Carol was working yesterday. Oh, OK. So, um, so no, yeah, it was all right. No rest right. for the wiki eh? No, indeed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, same here with um, half term. I obviously I work on the weekend, so that was, there was no getting out of that. Uh, but uh, the the bank holiday Monday was a rare time where I didn't actually have to work. They didn't need me. They didn't bring me in. So, cool. Um, but as with any time that we are off together, uh, my wife says, "Oh, we could do with a change in here, couldn't we?" and then that, <laughs> uh, oh god i'll go get the toolkit what do we do now fair enough uh, i'm a reluctant engineer uh, i'm a bit like trip i think uh, in that regard uh but uh, yeah that my time just kind of got swallowed up with building new furniture as you can see and oh, yes. uh, yeah um and uh, the one i'm and the one i'm sitting on as well you know i've got oh, my yes. own look my own that. tng conference chair you look have. at that yeah I it's a very salmony pink. Um, my yes. wife c- controls the color. Given that there are four boys in this in this house, including me, and it, it's pretty much mostly pink in this front room. It's pretty crazy, <laughs> I have to say. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's very nice. I feel very uh, very TNG yeah. right now. You that's do. quite fun.
1: You, you got the the look.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> might say I, I've got a future tense of you uh we anyway. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> Yep, we're here to discuss Future Tense. We are indeed. Yeah, Uh, so um, uh, yep, all as usual, we've got the timey-womeness, we've got the resets. So as we go through this episode, um, I'm not Entirely sure how I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to see see how I play it um, because it's kind of localized. Like if it was a reset episode, I've already got in mind how I would do cause and effect. You know, uh, uh, magic to go make the same as man go mad. You know, I've got an idea of how we would actually do those episodes. Not quite scripted, but a plan. This one, this completely balls up a temporal trek podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Uh, right, okay, let's get started. All right. Space-time. The ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 42 of the podcast and Season 2, Episode 16 of Enterprise. So it's almost halfway through Season 2 of Enterprise already. As we go into future tense, as always, I'm not alone.
1: No, you're not. It's me, Daniel. E. Or Dan, I suppose I should Dan. be, really, because that, that fits in with the, the jingle. Oh, uh, what jingle might that be, you might think? The one you're just about to play now. da There we go. Oh, we're so professional. Look at that. <laughs>
0: uh, um, so, yeah, Dan in the future, we'll be editing that in. And uh, um, Future Tense. Uh, yes. Like it? Loathe it? Did you actually remember it, coming into it?
1: Um... No, do you know, I didn't remember it really, which is strange, because um, I quite like it. I think it's all right. In fact, I um, was watching Future Tense, and I sort of carried on, mm-hmm. and um, I think the the, the, the um, term shit sandwich is what we're about to experience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: I, I did the exact same, because I was like, oh, is this the upward trend? Is this season two getting a little bit better and it's now getting into its swing and no no it's not and the next episode comes along and it's like oh okay fair enough ah we got to, yeah so we had the turd sandwich if we're now having the uh the poo sandwich uh you know various types of turd being laid out yes. before us on season two but we do have this really good episode and i yeah. really enjoyed it um yeah. this is one that has a actually sort of stayed in the memory banks i think you know the tholians and like a future guy who isn't actually daniels um i remembered the body laying there and i remember Flocks sort of figuring out that he's related to loads of different species uh fortunate that your time travelers are related to loads of different people that they aren't just you know human maybe one alien but he's he's family tree is incredible like it's everywhere um so it's, it's kind of nice that he has that. But that's always stuck in the brain. Like, not every scene for scene. It's not a best of both worlds. It's not, you know, me reciting yeah. the dialogue. But I pretty much remember this one. And I, I think it probably is just because it's time travel. And it's just stuck in yeah. the brain. And I remember it. The one thing I didn't remember is something that's going to balls up our uh, way of doing things. And I'll <laughs> format in the episode. And we'll come to that later. Uh, <laughs> but there is no timey wimeyness at the very beginning. As we start at 0 minutes, 0 seconds and we've got the opening. Yes. They've already found a pod. You know, it's floating out there in space and they bring it into the shuttle bay and uh, we get pretty much most of the bridge crew all coming in sort of saying, why is there no windows? What's all this? Why is this, this is a very un, uh, unusual craft given we've just had uh, precious cargo uh, drop as our episode our last episode where we saw Dusty Bin, the escape pod that didn't have any windows or engines or anything else other than the four hair dryers that were attached at the bottom to move it. Um, it seemed a bit weird. Like I would have thought mm. their their instant conclusion would have been, this is an escape pod. This is clearly not a vessel. Yeah. Um, they cut it open and go inside without the damn EV suits on. Uh, yeah. That, that's pretty much all my note for this one. Um, they <laughs> find a human body and credits the opening. Does it work for you?
1: Yes, I think it does. Yeah, I, I quite like it. I think, but the thing that made me laugh actually, and it was on second view and I spotted it that when they open the um, the door, um, Topol sort of sticks a tricorder towards the thing, mm-hmm. and looks at that arch and sort of nods as if to say, Yeah, you go, mate. I'm not going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah, if you want to. You <laughs>
0: We've been through this conversation before. I, I would tell you to be cautious, go and get the EV suits yeah. on. You're going to go in, aren't you? It's fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as far as I can tell with my technology, it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the eye rolls. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, it's it just seemed very strange that they were so baffled by it, given it just a couple of weeks ago that they've been dealing with lots of shuttle pods and unusual small craft that don't quite configure to what they're used to. Um, but it does set it up nicely. It's a horror story in some respects because you've got this mm. dead dead body and all of the stuff yeah. that's going to come with that. Um, that could have been a way they gone they go with this episode. You know, yeah. what if there was a contaminant on the ship? You know, that sort of thing and a virus. Um, it, it feels like one of those setups. You know, that you could have easily had that, uh, but they didn't. And yeah, <laughs> there we go. We go straight into um, the credits and then coming back out. We're in sickbay, and Flox yeah. is saying that the first humans um, were possibly not on the Enterprise out this mm. far. That actually, 100 light years from home, it's quite nice. They, we kind of get a, like a at least a spatial check. I wish yeah. they'd give me a date check, but there we go. This isn't the spatial Trek podcast. This is the temporal Trek podcast.
2: Just trying to remember, we're working in a time frame here.
0: This is where we f- start to get Zephram Cochrane, mm. and I really like the tie-in. Um, yes, yes, you know, I do as well. As much as I hate people who are a bit slavish to canon, I love a bit of canon and a bit of referencing. Um, but the idea that, you know, Zephyr and Cochran disappeared, he was trying out this new warp shit and we're talking about all this, you know, is it him? Could it be like we've solved a mystery? Any thoughts on sort of this element of the story, which kind of gets dropped very quickly as they realise what it really is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, what I liked about it was that it's a sort of callback to that episode, TOS episode, isn't it? I can't remember mm. which one it is now, but the one where they find, is it Zephyr Cochrane or is it like a yeah. alien pretending to be, I can't remember quite.
0: It's, what. um, the metamorphosis.
1: Oh, is it? Yeah. Right.
0: And I think it, it is Cochrane, but he's de-aged, Like the yeah. alien thing that's on the planet with him has sort of de-aged him or changed him in some way. Um, so that he doesn't look like, um, uh, James Cromwell at all. <laughs> um,
1: yeah uh, actually you know let's pick up on some real world
0: issues yes yeah talk about future tense we're talking yeah, about let, the past
1: let's, let's talk about the um the lack of upset over the fact that you know <laughs> that the tos um Cochran doesn't look anything like the tng or well sort of tng going
0: strange forward. i can't, I can't yeah. think what what the problem would be with There's people. something
1: about that guy, those two guys mm. that doesn't bother people. I'm, I'm not sure Yeah,
0: I can't think of what it is. I mean, you know, the, the age is different and everything like yeah. that. And I just can't think what it might be. I mean, no. uh, what else might you be referring to in, in this in this regard? You know, uh, I mean, I've, I seem to remember that I, in my old Starfleet classes, there was two different pictures of Robert April. You remember the first captain of the Enterprise? I
1: do, yeah. I've heard
0: and I'm sure the records keep getting changed all the time. I'm not entirely sure what it is. I, I mean, the records department are notoriously bad at Starfleet Academy. They are absolutely awful. They always misfile things. Um, yeah. You know, your, your, your white files and your black files get mixed up all the time. It's crazy. Strange that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what we're talking about, everybody listening. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that? Let's, let's veer off the episode for a little bit. As much as I love this episode, you know, the outrage, the faux outrage about yes. the recasting of Robert April.
1: It's just painful, isn't it? I mean, really, is a he's a character that appears in one episode of TAS. Yeah, which I think like quite a lot of people don't think is canon anyway.
0: Yeah, the people, most you know, people I've heard of that they treat it almost like the expanded books. You know, you could just yeah. ignore it as a separate thing.
1: Yeah, and and then some people decide that it's some sort of crime against humanity
0: so you yes. can't you can't hear me eye rolling audience but yeah
1: <laughs> it's it, yeah, freaking I mean, ridiculous it is yeah
0: yeah but yeah Zephyr cochrane i mean it's a prime example it's a great example that you just had there nobody batted an eyelid that he looked older i remember some people had a bit of a joke because like, oh he didn't look like Tos, but you know he looks completely different because they're different actors it's okay um it's okay you can recast people it's fine um yeah. But yeah, I mean, it does have a real world implication on uh, on the Temporal Trek as well, because obviously there is a difference between the two representations of the same character. So as with lots of different episodes in Taz, I imagine we're going to be treating them as separate universes. They are two different universes. But as my device allows me to do, I can see all the alternate timelines. So, you know, we are treating it as different. Yes, it is a different. Uh, there is a big difference between the two actors, but it doesn't matter. They're still Captain April they're still going to be the same character. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing what they're going to do.
1: Yes, I am as well. Yes.
0: And, uh, yeah, it could make the next season of this podcast a little bit more timey-wimey. Look, if we get some flashbacks to Captain April in charge of the Enterprise,
1: yeah,
0: that could be fun. I'm really looking yeah. forward to this. Um, but, yeah, there was another one. Oh, what was it? Uh, Mike Mahan, who makes the Lower Decks show, then posted a picture of uh, a blue Orion. Hmm. Uh, if you say, you know, like this is what Taz said the Orions were, that episode may also be another alternate timeline for the temporal trait podcast because, yeah, there's always another explanation. Use your imagination, people. Um, right, uh, moving on, we uh, we get the shuttle bay and we get the first time in ages Travis is asked to do something beyond just give a sit rep. Uh, he has actually asked for his opinion on how did it get out this far? Where has it come from? How did it go there? Brilliant. Travis has got something to do. It sort of ties in with the fact that he likes a good ghost story. We've yes. got a dead body on a ghost ship, essentially. Um, and this is where Trip and Reed, uh sort of try and figure out, you know, without the engines, how did it get there? Because they are starting to work out. This is a little bit more than a shuttle pod. Call from forest. They talk about yes. the earth cargo authority hundred years out. If it is Cochrane, it's the biggest mystery they've ever sold. If it's not Cochrane, it's an even bigger mystery. And yeah. that, that did feel like the trailer line, you know, Yes. like this is something that, you know, they're going to pop in as like tune in this week on enterprise. <laughs> uh, the, uh, go back to the shuttle bay, we then get the organic circuitry, which I thought oh, was yes, a yes. nice call yeah. forward to Voyager. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. and all that kind of stuff. And we get some blue liquid everywhere, sort of like blue splatterings. Uh Reed lifts it out like a manhole cover. Yeah. Did you like the way he just lifted... it? There's no like um, you know, sci-fi kind of click, 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 and then it lifts up on no, it's like give me a wrench and pull it up. There we go. Uh so <laughs> cool me, governor it's like an industrial warehouse near in here and pulling up a like, manhole cover um reed says like this is uh really unusual and he doesn't really recognize what's what's going on he starts seeing this tube that clearly means that the ship is deeper than it actually supposed to be reed is saying it's bigger on the inside how does that yes. work and reed doesn't think to just once say the word tardis like you'd think doctor who has survived that long into the future isn't it Surely,
1: surely.
2: Secret hideout for emergency defense, or shed for short. Oh, the rustic exterior is a facade. Wait till you see the inside. Oh man, you guys are good. Just a little British sci-fi technology.
1: This actually is is leading up to a re-trid for me. Oh, in fact, it's leading up to a reed, a reed trip trid
0: a re-trid. Ooh, okay. Uh, is that coming up in a future scene?
1: No, it's in this scene, I think. In this scene. Sure, yeah.
0: So this is where they um, they drop down the uh, the, the spanner. Sp- spanner, isn't it? Yeah, and just to see how far it goes. Um, they go down the ladder. Is, have we come to the point yet?
1: We have, we have.
2: You're a very brave man, Malcolm. Never much cared for the name Malcolm. I was
0: rather growing fond of the name Stinky, you've had too much to drink. We took a ride in a rowboat.
1: Show you to the nearest airlock. Maybe this will teach you. I mean, seriously, right. right? I mean, they even say it. Should we let the bridge know? I mean, seriously, they're about to descend into what appears to be some sort of weird spatial weirdness. <laughs> And they don't even bother to let the let the um, the bridge know that they're doing it, and it's a bit weird. And, <laughs> I mean, seriously, they even talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. You, know, <laughs> you you've got your EV suits. I mean, you know, no mm-hmm. EV suits for start. They've seen a lot of things, but it's pretty weird, isn't it? It's pretty like, and not only that, but there's like a little tiny hatch. So, you know, I mean, something could happen where they're trapped. Nobody would know that that's there because they wouldn't be expecting a a TARDIS-like spaceship. And they just go down without any sort of, like, consideration or sense at all. So that, for me, is a read trip
0: Mm, that's good Well, i've got to meld those two uh jingles now that's gonna be fun have fun with that future dan there we go awfully nice there's so many times they've fallen into traps yeah. uh, uh dead stop yeah. where they kept on going down the the thing got beamed back out and then had to go back through again what if it had another transporter yeah. problem they l- literally had this exact problem before and they still are making the same problems yeah uh yeah. Good, good point. Good point there. They're so stupid, aren't they? Um, but, you know, I kind of feel like if Reed had spent more time uh, not reading Ulysses and what, catching up on his BBC dramas, I think he would have had a better idea of what was going on. But maybe he thought, you know, it's a manhole cover. You know, there's no automatic you know, door that's going to cut in and cut them off or anything like that. Short sure, of someone coming back in and putting the manhole cover back on, they're fine they are following a faint energy signature. Yeah. So they're even following something that's unknown as if it's leading them into a trap, perhaps, yeah. you know, oh, very strange. Uh, we go back up to the bridge and we get our first um, uh, salvage claim, shall we say, mm. on this uh, pod. One of many throughout the episode as the Sulaban transport carrier comes in. It was kind of nice to see a new Sulaban vessel. Like we're so used to just seeing the pods and the helix. Um, seeing this other way that the the Suleiman get around, um, just any thoughts on the Suleiman? Did did it make sense for the Suleiman to be the one to come in? I know they're connected to the Temple Cold War
1: because of that, because it's yeah, to the Temple Cold War, it makes sense. And you know, I mean, I don't know at this point that they have any idea it's from the future yet, Mm. but you know, I think, yeah, no, I think it makes sense. Yeah, the Phonians is the one that's quite odd almost. That comes mm. out of nowhere, really, or as far as we know. Yeah. I don't think there's any explanation for why the Tholians are interested.
0: Yeah, all we get is that they are aware of temporal radiation, so maybe they've mm. got some backstory to um, you know time travel or they're involved in this temporal Cold War at some point. I think knowing that this won't ever come back up again, you know, we won't get the Tholians back in Enterprise, or at least this universe yeah. of Enterprise again. Um it's a shame that this wasn't delved in more deeply that perhaps the thonians had something to do with the temporal cold war and they became another threat alongside the sulaban um yeah it it felt it felt okay with the sulaban even though given how far out they are a hundred light years that way i kind of feel like we've left the sulaban behind Mm. by now Mm. you know surely their territory doesn't span out that far yeah um but maybe they do maybe they've got some temporal sensors from future guy the the shadow um and maybe he just told him go there and go and pick it up yeah. um the um inside the pod the trip and read um tag team they find a little device but rather than leaving it where it is ah, let's just get it out of the wall take it back with us of course <laughs> um as outside there is a firefight and they can sort of feel the shaking from inside the pod as well. So we kind of get a sense that they're still aware of the outside world. Um, In the bay, the Sulaban have beamed in. there's a bit of a firefight. Reed is utterly useless and can't seem to hit the target this time. Uh, Start shooting the glass um this was my uh, if if i ever have a retread i think this is my favorite why i mean surely you know the capability of that glass if he knows that that shatters okay he's shooting through the glass to hit the the guy behind yeah. it if he knows that that glass can shatter why isn't he as security not more concerned that a shatterable glass is inside a pod bay which can open up directly into space that's that's a big concern isn't it like that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever <laughs> Um, But uh, any thoughts on the the Suleban? You know, is the CGI getting any better?
1: No, that guy that falls from the ceiling was a bit ropey, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, he's a bit ropey. He gives um, Trip a good kick, doesn't he? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. he probably goes for a trip. Yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> maybe he had
0: a trip uh, yes. a trade and you know he hasn't quite worked on the read yet so he's going through the same thing. Maybe there's like a Sulaban who is a version of us yes. going through this show. Yes. <laughs> Awfully nice! The decision is made to uh, send the Enterprise back on its journey and uh, rendezvous with the Valkyr uh, so the Vulcans yes. can take back the shuttle to Earth. Um, trip is going to be working on the device at the same time so they're kind of uh, they're doing this thing that we've always had problems with that they have one plan mm. and they have a second plan but they never put that one into action until the first one fails at least this one sort of overlaps you know they they're trying to work both ways and i didn't know whether that's maybe a secret formula to when we like an episode mm. because previous episodes have been let down by the fact that they just statically go from one plan to the next whereas this one everybody's kind of working at the same time um any thoughts on that
1: Hmm, That hadn't occurred to me really, but um, I suppose it's a little bit more realistic, isn't it? As you say, you know that you would be trying things out. You would be going, well, you know, this department can work on the engineering side of things, and this guys can sort of work on the, I don't know, on the um, the science side of things, and Mm. and sort of try to work out a solution out of all the ideas we've got. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think that's what makes the episode better. But, um, yeah, maybe maybe it does a little bit. Maybe it helps. Hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of
0: that. Yeah, it was, I don't know, if it felt like it was more visible. I don't know uh, know, how how we perceive the episodes. As I was watching it, it was like, wow, they're actually working as a team Hmm. this week. Every other week, it feels like they're waiting for someone else to do their turn first. And I don't know, I think that might just be one of those things, you know, when uh, uh, on the Delta Flyers, and Robert Duncan McNeil says that he he elevates a, an episode once everybody's got yes. something to do, and we've said the same thing, and you know, we've enjoyed it when more of the crew have something to do. I think as long as you're showing the crew doing something that makes sense, mm. I think that's the added level to it. Yeah. it. It elevates the episode when it makes sense that everybody's doing their own job. Flox is looking for genetic markers and is really mm. studying the body, and so we can learn a little bit more. Um, Archer actually wants to take a more active interest in the Temporal Cold War. Uh, Topo is doing metallurgical surveys and she has to question the science, uh, her c- academies or the science directorate's uh, claim on time travel. Um, even Hoshi is sort of working on decoding some of the the signals and things like that. Trip was working on the device and Reed is shooting glass. Um, <laughs> everybody's got something to do. And even Travis was asked for an opinion. So there we go. Um they go back to the crutch, I think, of uh, time, Temple time, Triumph travel episodes in Enterprise, at least earlier on in the seasons, Daniel's Database. Yes. Now, they've been boarded several times since the last time we discussed Daniel's Database and still no one thinks to question the locked door with the massive lock on the front of it. Um, did they need to do the database? Did they need to do this? Like, It feels like we're going back to get answers that we possibly could have worked out for ourselves.
1: Yeah, and also I think, um, you know, that the fact that there's a lock on the door and it's, you know, they just go, oh, well, we're just, don't worry about that. We're just going, look. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it suggests that Archer sort of nips in there occasionally and they not an evening, <laughs> as a fit through, you know, just just for his own personal enjoyment, you know, so he's like, yeah. So, yeah, to say that they've they've sort of, loosened the um almost total blackout on daniels is mm-hmm. yeah they, they've not really yeah you know, it's not taking a lot for them to give up on that is it
0: <laughs> see i was wondering if like maybe archer then goes into there to get all of the results for the water polo tournaments across the- across time and it's almost a sports almanac for yeah, him
1: absolutely, yeah. and
0: he, he's getting really successful in all of like the water polo discussion groups and things it's like mm-hmm. you called it again archer how are you doing this this is <laughs> amazing you're a hundred light years away from home and yet you can guess what that team is going to do you're so good at this mm-hmm. um that's why he gets all the results beamed in i reckon that you know that there was that callback in um oh god what was it in stigma mm. Uh, in stigma, where they would, uh, they had the Vulcan deliver the message about oh, yeah. what what state had managed to beat the other state in in water polo. I reckon Forest is like feeding like the right information to Forest. I reckon that's that's probably what's going on there. It's <laughs> like, oh, they're playing, are they? Uh, I'm just gonna go downstairs, everybody. Don't worry, it's fine. Um, Archer, uh, they've opened up Daniels's quarters again. Uh, don't worry, I'm just investigating. I'm just down the corridor. Don't worry, that's fine. Everything's fine. If they still have money, he's earning a lot of money, yes. I'm telling you.
1: I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubs. Well, I just met the
2: Miami. What did you just say?
1: I said I wish I could go back to the beginning of the season, put some money on the Cubbies.
0: Whilst they're down there and they're looking at the database, they're not really getting any information that needs to be helped. Like, it's nothing they could do the, to work out the date of it. You know, All they find out is when it was commissioned, yeah. um, that it is a time ship according to this database. And that's pretty much it. We don't really get anything that they couldn't work out for themselves. Mm. Um, Or a scene could be written where the characters are interrogating a database or something. Um, Instead, they use that time to talk about, are the Vulcans and the humans going to get down and busy in the future? And this sort of goes through the episode. And this is the bit that kind of brings it down just a little bit, because everybody seems so obsessed at this point that the, the, the two biggest alien races who've been around each other for a hundred years aren't going to intermingle at some point. It just, I know for me, that's the only bit that lets it down and felt a little bit childish in the script writing. Uh, Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there's, a little bit I liked actually, a little callback when he says, You know, do you think the baby would have pointy ears? <laughs> yes, yes. And she sort of looks as if to say, Yeah, you people are obsessed with pointy ears. <laughs> and that calls back to, is it um, ceasefire when they talk about that and ceasefire? Yes. Yeah, so um, I quite like that. But yeah, you know, again, there's no need for it, is there?
0: No.
1: I don't know. I just don't
0: know. <laughs> Jumping to the end of the episode, they have a little conversation in the mess deck at the end, and that's when it comes up. Like, well, are we going to, you know, see species interrelating and, you know, what could that be? I, I don't, you know, that bit doesn't bother me because they've already had all of the action. They've had the the sort of plot of the episode, and now we're going to have the, you know, tra-la-la, TOS, let's have a laugh at the end of the episode bit. And that kind of makes sense to me. I don't know why. But constantly making references to you know, we're going to intermingle, we're going to interbreed, all this kind of thing. I don't know, it just seemed it just seemed like they were desperately trying to have a conversation about sex but the writers just couldn't get a a feasible way of getting it into the conversation.
1: You can almost imagine, you know, what they should have done is they should have had sort of um, Archer sort of rubbing his knees (laughs) do you think that people will interbreed in the future? (laughs) You know, sort of (laughs)
0: <laughs> whilst he's there in the daniels database yeah, exactly. he's like looking up he's looking up the uh uh the scores for the the water polo and he's also doing you know some serious uh adult sites yeah. and and everything like that as well yeah looking that's probably tractors, it possibly <laughs> oh i found i found this new this new thing uh a vodka love slave oh, interesting <laughs> uh but yeah uh tractors a go go um yeah, <laughs> yeah. well uh, that won't be a reference. Anyone will remember in about two years' time. But uh, over here in the UK, yes, that that was a very funny joke, everybody. Well done. <laughs> bridge. Uh, back on the bridge, the Tholians turn up for the first yes, time. Uh, yes. Again, Travis calls it out, and he says that they're coming. Uh, we get sort of a, a basic description that they're xenophobic from uh, Topol. Yet again, she sums up aliens in like yes. one or two sentences, yes. and they're, yes. they're the aggressive, horrible yes. ones. Um, as we had with Dawn, as we had with uh, the Andorians throughout all the episodes, the Andorians have been there. It always comes down to the Vulcan's way of describing the, the species. Um, given what actually happened sort of later in the episode, where they're actually a little bit honourable, I guess, that, you know, all they wanted was the ship. Yeah. That doesn't quite fit with the description that she gave, no. the two word sentence. Any thoughts on that?
1: Um You know, it hadn't occurred to me, but you're absolutely right. It's it's exactly what the Vulcans would do about another species. (laughs) You know, it's never the Vulcans. It's never the Vulcans that are a a problem. It's always the Andorians that are aggressive. You know, it's always somebody else. It's always the humans that are too emotional and you know. Mm -hmm. But it's never an issue with the Vulcans. And they, (laughs) you know, the, the one sort of continuous thing throughout these interactions is the Vulcans.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're the ones interacting with people, and they're the ones that, that you know of, of having to deal with these these difficult aliens. <laughs> There's never a moment of clarity, is there?
0: I, I'm likening now the Vulcans to uh, my eldest son, uh, who uh, is reaching. He's a, a pre-teenager; he's not quite a teenager yet, um, and everything isn't his fault. Whenever we have, like, can you go and tidy your room, please? It's an absolute state. Well, I didn't rook it. It was, yeah. that was my, my brother. And yeah. it's like, no, you did it. You you need to go and tidy it up now. Yeah, but it's not my fault, is it? Like, Nothing's your fault, is it? Yeah. There we go. Yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe the Vulcans just need to grow up a little bit more. Uh, who knows? Right, for some reason, it's giving me a timer, and I'm not entirely sure why. No,
1: I'm about that.
0: Timey-wiminess. All right, I'm going to set up a, a second meeting, and okay. we'll jump in that, and we'll finish the episode from there. Hang a second. Hello. Perfect.
1: There
0: we go. Funny seeing you here. Uh, where did we get to? Yeah, Tholians, uh, Xenophobic, yep. yeah, um, also Vulcans again. Yep. Uh, they use a the tractor beam. They try and uh, get the the probe off them or try and get them out of yes. the, the shuttle bay, and they warn them this time about temporal radiation. So they seem to be more aware of temporal timey rewiminess than the heliums. Um So I guess that gives you a reason why the Tholians came in. Now, again, a hazy memory with TOS, the Tholian web... Mm they create some sort of temporal thing don't they with the web that destroys the defiant and that sort of then leads into the future enterprise episode where we find out where the defiant went into the mirror universe and i'm i'm trying to yeah, think I'm of whether not sure. that's it's in... a
1: time thing though is it just is it a time thing
0: is it just the web but it has like a, a consequence of throwing yes it does defiant it there. ends
1: up taking it to right. tng
0: it goes well uh, the defiant goes back in time and is part of the Mirror Universe episodes for Enterprise.
1: Yep.
0: It gets referenced again, I think, in Disco.
1: Yeah.
0: It may even come back up in TNG. I can't remember now. But I didn't know whether it was an intentional part of their thodium web weapon, or whether it was an unintended consequence of their thing. I can't remember.
2: You're just not thinking fourth dimensionally. Right, right. I have a real problem with that. It's, uh, It's, uh... Timey-wimey thing. Timey-what? Timey-wimey?
0: I've, I've no idea where he picks that stuff up. Because if it was intentional, then yes, it makes perfect sense for the Thodians to come in because they've got temporal time weapons and things like this.
1: I if, don't think they... I don't know. No, I think the web isn't that. It isn't mean, a thing? No, I don't think so. I think the web is just a way of... It's like a weapon rather than right. being timey-wimey, I think. Fair enough. But it's been
0: a while. It's been a it's, while. It's been a while, yeah. I think knowing that it comes up in disco has sort of refreshed the memory. And I remember yeah. that Defiant now plays a bigger part in the Mirror Universe history. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, not really remembering season four of Enterprise too well no. and whether that was ever explained. I'm not so sure. And the TOS episode, Tholian Web has been a while since I've watched yes. that. so uh Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, there we go. So Tholian's coming in. Do you feel like we should have had more species? Maybe the Andorians, maybe uh, maybe some Klingons, maybe something else. Maybe some other um, uh, species that are around at this point.
1: Yeah, that might have been quite interesting. I mean, I suppose, how do you fit it all in mm, to a true. degree is, is the problem, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it might have been quite interesting, yeah. yeah.
0: Could that have been a potential two-parter?
1: Well, yes. I was just thinking the same, actually. Mm. Yeah, it could have been, yeah.
0: And the in. Oh yeah, yeah. We could have got their shuttle back, and they sort of pop in and yeah. they've stolen a bunch of weapons <laughs>
1: and some chairs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, it just felt like just two species. It kind of felt like they should have been. A bit more to it, a bit more gravity. Or or maybe even Travis just calls out that long-range sensors are saying there's even more ships and they don't confirm. Like Everybody's converging on this one thing.
1: Um,
0: And we never get to see them, but we know that they're kind of coming this way. Um, Yeah, I think it it could have been interesting. I suppose the Andorians in the Vulcans are a little bit busy as of ceasefire, so they're negotiating. So they're not as interested, I suppose. Um, But knowing that the Klingons are fully aware of the Temporal Cold War, that could have been something as well.
1: Well, the Vulcans wouldn't be interested, would they? Because
0: they don't believe it's possible. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, time travel is impossible. So,
0: (laughs) maybe they're Doctor Who fans. Maybe Maybe. uh, they they want to get hold of a TARDIS just because that's what they want (laughs) to do. Um, Because you know, uh, time travel is nonsense. It's just entertainment. But they just like it. we go into the mess hall, we get even more conversations about how we're interbreeding and that there's a new yeah. genome in there, there's a the Rigelians as well, yeah. um, and that topol is doing these metallurgical scans and then we get a bit more backstory to the Denobulans. We find out that they had the Passari as mm-hmm. their first contact and that they thought that they were the, the centre of the, the universe and they had to question yeah. who they were. I really like that conversation as part of this mess deck thing of like questioning where you come from yeah. Uh, it felt like the most star trekky conversation we've had in a long time in enterprise at least.
1: Yeah. It was very uh, good, yeah. Uh
0: just any thoughts on on their interaction?
1: Yeah, I mean I I liked that actually. It was it was very simple. Mm. But it was very yeah, it was really good and um yeah, a nice little sort of insight into the nobility. Denobulian.
0: Mm. I can never say denobian I'm not sure I'm not sure. What is it? Denoblian, denobulars, denobili. Um, like, you know, what is the plural? God
1: knows. Because
0: <laughs> they've said Denobulans, but I don't, den, 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 yeah, I don't I don't yeah, I don't really know if that works. Yeah, um
1: true.
0: True. but he says, you know, I embrace surprises and to Paul says yes. she prefers logic. Yes. But I thought they're not really mutually exclusive, are they? I mean, no. you could you could like a surprise and be logical at the same time. But yeah. um, well, there we go. Uh, la, 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 la. We go to the engineering bay and we find out that it is actually from the 31st century that they've been doing their tests and they've been able to work that out. Um, Readers always want to see the future, yes. and um, you know you're an explorer, but you sound like you're someone who turns to the last page of the mystery novel. To figure out how it ends um and then again another tricky conversation coming from trip this time you know if you look in a little book you find out who you get married to did you fall in love with her because of the the book book. or because you love her um what do you think what do you think it would be
1: very good question um having not completed a temporal mechanics course at <laughs> the the, the um, academy i wouldn't I'm recommend it really um able to answer that question i don't know i mean it's, it's an interesting qu- i mean I, it must be that must be a real world thought experiment from somewhere mm. Mm. um and i don't know
0: um i've heard it referred to as the bootstrap paradox that you can't you know oh, okay. pull up pull up your boots until you've actually You've done them up but you can't do them up until you pulled them on that sort of thing right. um, I've heard it referred to many different ways uh, again Doctor Who pulling back the Doctor Who there was a really good uh, five minute monologue from the Peter Capaldi Doctor
2: so there's this man he has a time machine up and down history he goes zip 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 zip, zip getting into scrapes another thing he has is a passion for the works of Ludwig van Beethoven One day he thinks, what's the point of having a time machine if you don't get to meet your heroes? So, off he goes to 18th century Germany. But he can't find Beethoven anywhere. No one's heard of him. Not even his family have any idea who the time traveler is talking about. Beethoven literally doesn't exist. No, this is called the bootstrap paradox. Google it. The time traveller panics. He can't bear the thought of a world without the music of Beethoven. Luckily, he brought all of his Beethoven sheet music for Ludwig to sign. So he copies out all the concertos and the symphonies and he gets them published. He becomes Beethoven. And history continues with barely a feather ruffled. My question is this. Who put those notes and phrases together? Who really composed Beethoven's fifth?
0: Who who is um, Beethoven? Um, I just love that idea. But yeah, I kind of feel like with those ones and we've had these before in temple trek when we've gone into the 20th century and bootstock paradoxes and things that they've come up it, there must have been an original timeline for it to happen. So the feelings, the chemistry that they would have had if you, if he if Reed goes and meets someone and falls in love and gets married, there should be an interaction. There should be some sort of base level chemical reaction he has in his body that yeah. would attract him to that person. And, and presumably the other way around. Um, that that just because he knows the forewarning, he knows the he knows the results of the water polo match, doesn't yes. necessarily mean that he's not going to enjoy the water polo match. To bring it back to Archer,
1: yes,
0: okay. I think the the nature of the marriage way of asking this question, I feel like love would happen anyway. You know, oh. just to reduce love down to a chemical reaction. I'm a hopeless romantic. Everybody, trust me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it it just it was a lovely conversation and two back to back. You know, embrace surprises and timey-wiminess conversations as well. It just felt really good and just played into why I think I love this episode. I don't know about you, but there we go. And we stop at 24 minutes and 59 seconds. Oh, God, here we go. Um, right. <clears throat> we come back at 24 minutes and 59 seconds as uh, both uh, Trip and Reed are coming into the shuttle bay talking about how they'd love to meet a Stegosaurus. And Reed would like to go to 1588 to meet the Spanish Armada. And that takes us up to 25 minutes and 26 seconds. And we come back at 25 minutes and 26 seconds. And Trip and Reed come into the shuttle bay and they're talking about stegosauruses. And that, that Reed wants to go to 15. We've had this conversation before. And we stop at 25 minutes and 58 seconds. And we come back at 25 minutes and 58 seconds. And we talk about stegosauruses. They were herbivores, weren't they? Yeah, oh, fifteen eighty-eight, Spanish Armada, and we stop at twenty-six minutes and eighteen seconds, and we come back into the episode. Ah, uh, good old time light loops. Um, Stegosaurus' herbivores shouldn't Reed have known that? Right. Um, yeah. That seems like a big failing of his uh, private education that he was yes. so proud of in Shuttlepod One. And Spanish Armada does that fit with Reed? I mean, I know it's a naval thing, so that does fit. But that particular naval battle, why that one?
1: Well, this is a retread.
0: You're a very brave man, Malcolm. Never much cared for the name Malcolm. I was rather growing fond of the name...
1: Stinky. You've had too much to drink. But there's one thing people think think is funny, and I tell you what it is—just one Pineapple. It's a little winko wagger in my hand that makes me such a about 30
2: years in the brig, or maybe a good flogging?
0: <sighs> see, you were looking at my hands.
2: You should have been looking at my eyes.
0: <sighs> they admire my dogs, and they give away the dogs with a little a wagger in my
1: hands <laughs> Awfully nice. Because it 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 does fit with Reed. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's so boring. You know, I'm I'm not an expert on the the Spanish Armada and what happened, but I'm pretty sure that it wasn't, like, on the coast. It was a bit out to sea. So what would you actually see unless you was in one of the boats? Yeah. You know, and and would you really want to be in a 1588 naval ship (laughs) with scurvy and rats and, you know, it's just, I mean, seriously, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah. You go back to anywhere in history, and you go back to the Amada. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> so for me, it's a retread. I'm afraid to say it's two in an episode. Which two is...
0: in an episode. I think.
1: Yeah,
0: we might get a triumvirate. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um uh,
1: you know, I mean, yeah. actually, this this was I thought about this, and I was this is a question I'm going to ask you. What would you go back to?
0: Oh. You see, now this is it. I I think I am more of a a read from the previous scene where he wants to see the future instead. uh, Because I am one of those people who reads the last um, page of a mystery novel and then enjoys reading it to see how the characters get to work it out. Um, I have done that in the past. I know it's a stupid way of reading it, but hey, I make stupid decisions when it comes to time. Um, So I really want to see the future. There are time periods I really like. But would I want to go there? Like you say, scurvy and rats and and uh, all manner of illnesses. I mean, there's a there's a great series called uh, Future Man. If you ever get a chance to 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 see it, season two, they get um, put into the past, the future, and the present. And they keep on going backwards on themselves.
1: Hey, boy, why'd you have to bring us to yet another time where women are treated like garbage? Well, I'm sorry. It's called all of
0: history. And then the, the guy who's from our time just says, isn't that just all history? I mean, anytime we're going to travel back to it, it's going to be horrible. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't believe it would be that battle for Reed. You know, let's imagine that there is some like time bubble that he could make and he would be able to observe all the events and he could move from ship to ship, not being seen by anyone. And he can, you know, he doesn't interact with anything, but he can actually see everything. And he gets like a cinematic view of the Spanish Armada. I don't believe that he would go to that battle knowing that his family are submariners and that they're a little bit more advanced in the Royal Navy, maybe battle Trafalgar, you know, get to meet Lord Nelson, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That, I can kind of see that one, and that's a little bit further in history. But I would have thought maybe World War One, Battle of Jutland, maybe mm. the Graf Bay uh, in World War II. Um, I just feel like there's there's more modern naval yeah. encounters that he would have been well more into, knowing that he loves a bit of Winston Churchill from The Communicator yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. If I had to pick a time slot myself, though, mm. I don't know. I work in a museum. You'd think I'd have a, like... That answer straight away. I don't. Oh, yeah. I really don't know. How about yourself?
1: Well, I know actually. Oh, I would go okay. back to eighteen eighty two. Eighteen eighty two. Okay. In, in Tunbridge Wells. Interesting. I in my, Not previous life exactly, but um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a um, I'm of the left. Okay. I'm, I, I would consider myself slightly left of Lenin. Mhm. Um and um I once I was doing some I don't know just googling for no apparent reason. And I googled anarchist Tunbridge Wells. Interesting. And I found a guy called Henry Seymour who was an anarchist who lived in Tunbridge Wells in 1882. Right. And I ended up researching his life. And um Got to the point where seriously considering writing some kind of biography, some kind of thing, it never quite happened because I, I got I got quite ill and, and sort of got in a way, and i never quite got back to it. But in 1882, he was the founder or the secretary of the Tunbridge Wells Secular Society, um, and he was convicted of uh, blasphemy in 1882. And I would love to go back and, and meet him and sort of see what happened.
0: Oh wow! Well, that would
1: be more, that would be what I'd do.
0: Interesting. So you don't actually know what the outcome of that was. It was never recorded, or oh, it was like, yeah yeah he was he, convicted what, yeah he was, he was actually convicted, convicted and,
1: yeah he um, was yeah yeah wow yeah and uh, and he ended up so at the time he was a secularist yeah and then he ended up becoming one of the leading sort of anarchists or individualist anarchists of the sort of um, late nineteenth century really and then he. Um, he he published the first English language anarchist newspaper in Britain, what? called the Anarchist. Good title. And uh, was friends of um, Peter Kropotkin and and some other people as well that ended up forming a, a newspaper or sort of one called Freedom, which is still going today. Yeah. Um, but then then he sort of um, he ended up becoming the sort of possibly the the leading gramophone manufacturer in Britain really in the sort of early 19th early 20th century yeah that's incredible and he, um, he, um, he 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 um, would become the. as far as I can tell he was the first ever music pirate <laughs> he, he invented a machine that could copy records and he would make copies of like records by EMI and people and sell them and like, so sell them on. himself yeah
0: Oh, anarchy, love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh,
1: so, yeah. So I would go back to 1882 in Tunbridge Wells and see the whole sort of events of that summer Incredible. when
0: he was convicted and stuff. Yeah, that's in that's a brilliant story. I love that. But I mean, was it him or is it you going back in time and becoming him?
1: Well, you're indeed.
0: living out your anarchist dreams. Yes, you know, uh, you're you the one who actually invents the, the gramophone and uh <laughs> records all the music and stuff like yeah. that. If you could, uh, you know, go back and send me a copy of some more music, and then we can use it in the show. Then that would be yeah, fantastic as we...
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is a, that is such a good answer. Oh, nothing I could say could beat that. That would be amazing. Because <laughs> I literally I can't think of anything. I would love to see the future. That's my my mm. thing. Um, yeah. Because what's happened has happened. You know, uh, we that's, might not necessarily know for sure how it happened. It might not be recorded that's the
1: very fascinating well. Fascinating thing, though, isn't it? If you can, yeah. if you really see history. Where it you know, comes we get History comes back. I mean, like from my, you know, with the research, he, you know, it was, it was hard, hard to find information. There was bits and pieces. And, and he, in fact, in his later life, he was, um, the editor of the Baconian magazine, which is the, the, the magazine of the Bacon Society, mm-hmm. who claimed that Bacon wrote Shakespeare's rather than Shakespeare.
0: Oh, yes. So, Yeah. It, it,
1: yeah, fashion, a really
0: fascinating man, you know. Incredible. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Wow, I've, I'm lost in that. That's a, such a good answer. Oh, well, see, this is why I have you on the episodes, because you, you give so much better content. Gene Roddenberry, there we go. I'll go back and meet Gene Roddenberry. Of course, I'm making a Star Trek podcast. What don't you think of that? <laughs> oh, there was me waffling on a uh,
1: right, um... <laughs> Uh, would you convince him to make you a red shirt for one episode oh that would be so good which, there, episode, which TOS episode would you be in
0: there is that one red shirt isn't there that nobody knows who he is oh yes have you read yeah the the, yeah, the, I act- heard that, yeah. the actor that's never been registered or or they, they haven't been able to figure out It just gets lost through time Um, I would love to be that red shirt you know to come back and like it was me I, was- I went on a time travel mission Um, yeah That'd be it. I mean, if I look like him, that'd be great. That'd be fine yeah. as well. You know, change my face, go back in time, star in TOS and come on back. Um, uh, to Paul, then uh, makes a reference to uh, the, the temporal radiation affecting them. And that's what caused the, the time dilation. Um, uh, even though she's sort of saying, well, you probably just imagined it that you perceived it slightly differently. I mean, come on Paul, That's a little bit tenuous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but we go back to Archer's Ready Room and they start talking about um, needing to make more of a, an in, interested look at the Temporal Cold War. Weirdly enough, I think this is pretty much it for season two, isn't it? Like, I can't remember any more Temporal Cold War episodes in this no, season. can
1: not cold, really.
0: Given that he wants to take a more active interest in it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I know season three is going to be all tied to the, to the Temporal Cold War, but this is it, like... He spends the next four months getting kidnapped, doesn't he? Like, from my hazy memory, that seems to be the way it goes.
1: Cindy, really? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah, We get. We get a read alert again, and we get some tactical alerts as uh, the Tholians and the Sulaban are now sort of converging on their position. We get another push to warp five as they've got to run away. So, calling back again to yeah. fallen hero and all the other times they've had to run away from people at warp five. Um, they drop out of warp because they've been fired upon, and the Vulcan ship is utterly disabled. Now this is one of those scenes that has actually stuck in the brain. Okay. The look of it, the the idea that the Vulcan ship had been sort of decimated by the Tholians, um, something about it because they've always come to the rescue. And then hang on a minute, we don't even have the backup now, and the Enterprise is pretty much on its own. I, know, I kind of that's one of those things that's sort of cemented in the old brain that that's why I remember this episode. Um, just any thoughts that you know they have no security blanket now. They've got the Tholians, the Suliban fighting over them. And the Vulcans are dead in the water.:
1: yeah, I mean, um it's not particularly this scene, but it reminded me when you, you said about that this one of the good things about this episode is that I felt there was actually some tension., mm. you know, there was some tension in it, and and this is part of that, you know they 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 should be safe, yeah, and they're really not now. And they don't know anything about the Folians, really. Not enough to sort of know, you know, what they're up to and they're, they're, what they're like. And, you know, they've got that sort of vague description from Topol, But other than that, they, they've got no nothing to go on. They know what the Sudaban are like. Mm. And they're stuck and they're like, oh. Because, you know, that's quite often, I think, a few times now, they've sort of been saved by the Vulcans. Yeah. And and that this isn't going to happen. This, this time, it's not going to happen. And um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, the scene the itself, I mean... You know, but I think it's part of that tension which mm. worked really well.
0: Mm. It it just the look of having the ships and, and the interactions, and I don't know. It's a pew pew shooty shooty scene, of course. There's there's action. There's not really much to it, um, but it, I don't know. Just the look of having it all, kind of the debris and the the Vulcan ship is just dead in the water. I don't know. There was there's was a kind of like a <clears throat> what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, i remember that very clearly from the very first time i watched it back in 2001 and i still had that feeling this time around as well um this is where we stop again oh god here we go Go, do it again right we stop at 33 minutes and 43 seconds or actually do we continue because um up on the bridge and i'm going to do everything in chronological order here outside of the shuttle bay um trip is putting together a power module uh, the bridge actually calls down to Archer, so manages to call down to him. So there is like a connection there. Um the cell ships are getting destroyed, they're getting blown out of the water all the way up to 34 minutes and 32 seconds, then 35 minutes, 26 seconds. More cell ships are being destroyed. Uh, They're hailing demands as the Tholians feel like they're going to take victory up to 36 minutes, 21 seconds. Then you've got 36 minutes and 48 seconds as the security teams are rushing to this door as there's uh, lasers being cut into the side of the hull. They're cutting in hoshi's calling out where they are and how fast it's going to happen and we stop at 37 minutes and seven seconds and then we come back at 37 minutes and 21 seconds and trip activates a beacon and we stop at 37 minutes and 35 seconds jumping back to 33 minutes and 43 seconds i oh my. God, why did I do this? Um, We defuse a warhead, and they're actually, you know, they're taking the time, Archer and Reed. They want to take it all kind. That's fine. Up to 34 minutes and seven seconds. Then 34 minutes and 32 seconds, Archer takes out the cell. He's just about to walk the warhead into the little shuttle bay, pulls back the the little... cover puts it in only for it to reset back to 34 minutes and 52 seconds and then archer plants the warhead in again up to 36 minutes and 21 seconds they reset again to 36 20 minutes seconds um then uh, how many times are they rushing through and this time they're unhooking it really fast like they don't care this could go off in their hands (laughs) and uh up to 37 minutes and seven seconds and 37 minutes and 20 seconds archers doing it again they are drilling they are pulling they are turning they are getting it all through up to 37 minutes and 35 seconds as they finally place it in they run up to that place where the grass is going to shatter up to 37 minutes and 41 seconds uh my god that was so hard to try and write down that i published like i tweeted a a little snapshot of this note-taking exercise Oh my god, that was a headache because I, I had no idea how I was going to do it. Because there's there's obviously time outside is operating yeah. normally and they are constantly resetting within that time frame. So when they come out the door, are they younger than everyone outside? Like have they gained like five minutes of life? Um, is Archer now somehow rejuvenated and he's different? I just I don't know. Uh, but they they smash the button, the control doors open. The, the pod drops out. The Tholians take it, but actually deactivate the bomb. So yes. really, everything we just waste went through, absolute waste of time, yep. <laughs> which what it kind of felt like when I was making these uh, notes as well. Um, the beacon disappears, the body disappears, the ship gets beamed away, and the Tholians just leave because they don't yes. want them. All they wanted was the ship. And that's the action points. It, it It's another one of those episodes where we have 35 minutes, Yes. Leading up to big action sequence. And then the last scene where they're just talking in the mess hall, which we kind of already talked about, about humans of Vulcans will finally one day get it on. <laughs> uh, but they're more likely to believe in time travel in the old science yes. directorate than ever, than <laughs> any of that. Uh, any thoughts on this sort of rush to the end?
1: Yeah, could you just go back over that again? I missed a bit <laughs> of it. <laughs> well, we stop. at the- <laughs> <laughs> Um this is the... I mean, I, when I first watched it, I didn't really pick up on it. And it didn't bother me. But I having re-watched it, this is the, the frustrating bit because actually it means that nothing matters. Nothing... You know, it all just disappears. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a Voyager reset button, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's just nothing... Nothing happens. You know, talking of consequences in a minute, there, mm-hmm. there are no consequences just because there's nothing left. Yeah. So... And the Phonians just sort of go off. They don't sort of go, what the hell happened there? You know, (laughs) they just, oh, okay. You know, so yeah, it was a bit of a disappointing ending for me, a bit of a damp squib ending. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but I quite like the sort of timey-wimey bits. I quite Mm. like the way they're resetting. I think they have done that before elsewhere in Trek. I can't think quite. But I'm sure there's episodes where they've had, like, well, little sort of mini things. I mean, I thought, I don't know if it's just sort of this run of scenes, but the whole thing about the temporal uh, particles being mm. tachyons, and of course they don't know they're tachyons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I quite like that. Um, yeah, but it's slightly, slightly disappointing in the end that it just all sort of just disappears and there's no no one sort of, no one appears and says thank you for saving the ship or saying, or, you know, do you know there's nothing. It just, just disappears. There's no explanation for that, you know. And then, I mean, I know that Archer says something about, you know, where they've got all the time in the world to mm-hmm. you know, to, to do it and stuff. But, yeah, it, yeah, slight damp script.
0: Yeah. I mean, what really feels weird is that they've gone to all the point of, of doing this. If time is irrelevant to these people, why didn't they sort of just go back and stop the whole episode from happening in the first place? Yeah. Like they could have picked up the pod before enterprise arrived yeah, exactly. um, or, or even earlier when the Sulaban claimed that they found it like three days earlier, yeah. they know where it is. Um, this is presumably going to get recorded on the enterprise somehow. Although, if Ensign hit the record button, isn't doing his job like he was during the Ferengi episode, like he will be in future episodes yeah, with a absolutely. certain cybernetic organisms. Um, you know, there are lots of things that don't get recorded very well on Enterprise. Um, so yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe that they, they just had to take it from that point, but I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. It, they kind of felt like they should have had someone from the temporal uh, police or something show up and yeah. say, look, we've got it in hand. You don't need to know anything else. Um uh, maybe have Archer object to him and say, look, we're, we're bothered by this. And, you know, we don't want to we don't have to put up with you losing things anymore any over here. Stop sending people back to this time period yes. or something, you know, something like yeah. that, like a warning from Archer. Um, uh, I don't know, something just to make it feel like this had some weight to it. Yes. Um, other than introducing us to the Tholians, I guess. Yep.
1: yeah, that's true.
0: So that's it for the episode. We've located the episode and we've gone over the episode and over the episode and over the episode in a time loop. Uh, So we are going to come to consequences.
2: Your analogy is very colourful, Captain, but I question whether it addresses the consequences. 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 The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer, but learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans.
0: What are the consequences for this episode?
1: Well, as I said, I don't think there are any effectively, not now, um, because um, it all just disappears. That's it. So, yeah, no consequences. I don't think it gets referenced again, particularly. And I don't think, as you say, I don't think the Temple Cold War reappears until season four now. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so, yeah. But I enjoyed the episode. It was a good episode.
0: Yeah, that's, that's another thing as well. It's like, it's such a good episode. It's an enjoyable bit of 45 minutes of TV. But when you look at it in a kind of consequences and timeline thing, there's really nothing from this that matters. They're now aware that there's organic circuitry, and that's a possibility. Trip now knows that that's something you could make in the future. Uh, We know that they can build ships that are bigger on the inside than they are on the outside, that TARDIS technology has made its way to to Starfleet, um, or at least the idea of that. They know that in the future, aliens will intermingle. But what are you going to do with that information? How useful is it if you don't have the technology to follow it through? and whatever timey-wimey organisation is out there, they've taken all their stuff back, so there's nothing left over. Uh, yeah, no consequences whatsoever. Alterations, expansions. Now, we have kind of mentioned some of this and turning it into two-parters or anything like that. Yeah. Is there anything that you would want to, or do you feel like it works as an episode in and of its own right?
1: Leave it as yeah, it is. I think so. I mean, I think it could be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. But I think it works pretty well as an episode. And considering what comes next, <laughs> I think, you know, it's a pretty decent season two episode. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> I think we should call this like the precious cargo effect or something. It's like knowing what comes next. It's yes. just, it's still a good episode. Yeah. This is a highlight for season two. As I said before, yeah. it's one of my favorites from season two. Um, it, I think it works as an episode it just doesn't necessarily have any weight at the end. It doesn't yeah. really go anywhere. So actually scene-wise, I enjoy it. I could have maybe done with a little less of the, we're going to have uh, Vulcan-human hybrid children um, yeah. have that yeah. as a as the jokey ending, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love the little Bazinga. I love to paul's comeback. Like they're more likely to believe in time yeah. travel than uh, Vulcans and humans mating. Um, you know, in the words of uh, Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory, Bazinga! Um, <laughs> That's right. But, uh yeah, I, I enjoy this one. It's really one I love coming back to, and I would easily watch this one again. Yeah, me too. Recommendations, then. Mm. So, do we recommend to Star Trek fans as a good episode of Star Trek?
1: Yes, I think so. I think so. I think for all the things we've said, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to recommend this one.
0: Mm. Same. You've got Tholians, you've got lots of callbacks, you've got Zephyr Cochrane being referenced, you've got the Temporal Cold War if that's your thing. Uh, I, I love time travel, but for some reason it's not really doing anything for me right now. Yep. Uh, yeah, I would recommend. It's it's a good, fun Archer and the crew working together episode. Yep. To non-Star Trek fans though, does it make any sense?
1: No, that's the problem. You need to know a fair bit about what's gone before for it, so no, it's definitely not a recommend hmm. Yeah, but not not on quality, which is unusual yeah. because generally it's quality that means we don't recommend it. Mm. This is more that just you need to know too much to to, to for it to make sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, same. If you don't know what a Folian is, that's not a surprise. It's not a special bit of information that um, you know. If you're not aware of the Sulaban or the Temporal Cold War, not that we know much more about the Cold War than mm-hmm. anybody else, but uh, yeah, there's just not enough here. I mean, every character does have something to do though. So
1: Yeah, but too it's too much t- that story needed. Yeah. Yeah, support. that's true. It's not a quality thing. It's not that mm. it's not a, it's not a bad episode, but it just it doesn't make sense without other stuff going on.
0: Very true. Yep, you swayed me. I'm gonna say no as well. So there we go. Yeah, there we go. Right. That's our recommendations. We have done the episode of Future Tense. Yeah. As uh we move on to set up for the next week. But before we do that, let's do something nice. Let's sell okay. some podcasts. Um, oh, how okay, can people yeah. find you? Where can everyone uh, get hold of you?
1: They can find me at academic trek 47 on Twitter. And um, yes, there may be some more episodes coming. Hey,
0: looking yes. into the future. Absolutely. Into the future, yes. <laughs> but again, did you make them or did this anarchist make them? And you know, you've you've come back to make some more are you setting up loads of academic study stuff in the future to then yes. make episodes for academic Trek, and then you go from there? Yep. Oh, that's Very it. Different. That's diabolical. Um, Yeah, and obviously we're Temple Trek, and we have the spin-off show The Nexus Nights, where we talk about general Trek geekery, catching up mm-hmm. on Picard at the moment and uh, waiting for Paramount to get their finger out and release it uh, internationally on Strange New Worlds. There we go. All that remains is the setup then in our Cars system, on uh, the next week's episode join us next time if you want to you don't have to uh it's season three episode 43 of the podcast and season two episode 17 of enterprise as we go to kanama or do we even get to kanama like everyone's talking about it but no one actually gets there uh we we are not going to have time rewinding so there's very little to talk about there at zero minutes and zero seconds as always thank you very much for listening from me and i'll see you in the next time stream
1: yeah, thank you for me as ever. Yes. Um, Kanemar, yes. Mm. Mm. Yes.
0: Not as bad as Precious Cargo.
1: Not as bad as Precious Cargo.
0: <laughs> not as boring as That's the 7.
1: Exactly, not exactly a, a, a <laughs> sort of ringing endorsement, is it? It's not as bad as as Precious Cargo. Although that guy the, is so annoying. Oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to save my IRA
0: my mm. that as a commuter to london that one person you sit next to just doesn't shut up and you yep. just want to read your book That's oh it. god it's it's going to be it's going to be traumatic for me i think it's going to bring back too many traumatic memories for me ah mm. oh, right right see you later everybody
1: <laughs> au revoir take care and um just stay tuned as we repeat this episode straight <laughs> afterwards uh, about three or four times.
0: <laughs> You're trying to make more editing for me. Now I've got to do that. Oh, never dare me to do anything, because I will do it. <laughs> That's how this podcast got started. Spacetime. The ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second. Contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. god why did i do this um we defuse a warhead and they're actually you know they're taking the time archer and reed they want to take it all kind that's fine up to 34 minutes and seven seconds and 34 minutes and 32 seconds archer takes out the cell he's just about to walk the warhead into the little shuttle yes. bay pulls back the the little um cover puts it in only for it to reset back space time the ever expanding frontier these are the record's of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the star trek franchise ever its mission to locate every second contemplate every eon back to 34 minutes and 52 seconds and then archer plants the warhead in again up to 36 minutes and 21 seconds space time the ever expanding frontier these are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second. They reset again to 36, 20 minutes seconds. Um, Then uh, how many times are they rushing through? And this time they're unhooking it really fast. Like they don't care, this could go off in their hands. (laughs) And uh, up to 37 minutes and seven seconds. Space Time, the ever expanding frontier. Then 37 minutes and 20 seconds. Archers doing it again. They are drilling. They are pulling. They are turning. They are getting it all through up to 30, so seven minutes and 35 seconds. As they finally place it in, they run up to that place where the grass is going to shatter up to 37 minutes and 41 seconds. Ah, uh, uh, right. Right. See you later, everybody.
1: <laughs> Au revoir. Take care. And um, just stay tuned as we repeat this episode straight <laughs> afterwards. Uh, about three or four times.
0: <laughs> You're trying to make more editing for me now. I've got to do that. Ah, oh, never dare me to do anything because I will do it. <laughs> That's how this podcast got started. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at rider underscore coattail. Also, search the Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram, at Daniel underscore, Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.
1: Yeah, could you just go back over that again? I missed a bit of it. Well, we stop at... (laughs)